Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Khan with the news. A startling upset has just taken place at the Dairy Public Library Dodgebook Tournament. We're taking you live to the scene with our sports correspondent. Take it away, Dr. Hellajan. Thank you, Josh, and please, Dr. Hellajan is my father's name. Call me Dr. John Hellajan. The fans here are still in a frenzy after favorite to win the JK trolling were eliminated by the James Splatterson. It spelled disaster when the trolling team captain was blindsided by an along came a spider to the head. For more action, stay tuned. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside C.M. Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. What up, constant readers? And today, we are going through the second round of playoffs for our Stephen King March Madness. I hope everyone out there has finished their brackets and submitted them to our email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com and see if you, uh, if you match up with us. Because I certainly made one, I made a bracket on my own before we ever talked, and it does not match what we did. <laughs> I've, I've already had my bracket busted a little I, bit. I feel like we had some surprises last week. Should we go over uh, what we've already decided? Sure thing. So uh, for those of you just joining us, if you skipped part one, weird flex. But advancing to the semifinals, we have uh, Misery beat out The Running Man, Joyland beat out Eyes of the Dragon, Revival beat out Salem's Lot. Carrie beat out The Stand. And for our play-in game for who will represent different seasons, we had The Breathing Method defeating Shawshank Redemption. And The Body and Apt Pupil, Apt Pupil took the win. So, let's kick things off with who will represent different seasons. Let's go with our play-in game. Our first matchup, The Breathing Method versus Apt Pupil. Okay, first off, I have to say that's insane. <laughs> like, I remember having a very long discussion about this, and it all made perfect sense. But if you would have given me a list of the four books in different seasons yeah. and said, pick the two best ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're actually, you're right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, this is, we are not discussing what is objectively the best book. Right. Uh, that that's we are just just discussing that after everything we've read with the gift of hindsight and all these books what is our personal favorite so i i feel like if we were going to pick a story to talk about out of those four books i might put breathing method in there but on a normal circumstance i would usually pass on apt people <laughs> i agree <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh cm I'm going to throw things to you to uh, to talk. Just We've already talked about the breathing method a little bit, but in this matchup, what do you think is going to be the decisive? What's going to influence your decision the most with breathing method versus apt people? Well, this one's simple. It's because I don't like apt people. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't understand how that made it. <laughs> the breathing method is so awesome because of the world it builds. And the world of apt pupil is one I live in. <laughs> and <laughs> that's fair. Ben, your thoughts? I have to say, I of the three of us, I'm the one that liked 
the breathing method the least. It's a good story, but overall, it, it doesn't have the same staying power, I think, as the others. Uh, I think from uh, everything that, um, specifically CM, everything that I know, the reason you love the breathing method, but so much of it is um speculation isn't the right word but it's all headcanon all the stuff about the club <laughs> yeah. is yeah. very not what the book is about that is true. but it is the part that like sticks with you and be like what more is there that this book is hiding from me anyway but i do have to say uh between these two i think the important thing to think of is not just what we like the most not mu- just which one is the most fun or has the most meat on it to talk about. The important thing to think of is we are picking a story to represent the entire book of different seasons. That is true. And stop it, Ben. (laughs) When you entire, you, you take the entire book and think about all four stories together. The choice is really clear because Three out of the four books in this this collection are hopeful. The body is it has a darkness to it, and maybe all the characters don't get a happy ending per se, but it's about the the hopeful feeling of being a child with your best friends. And uh, Shawshank Redemption is about hope springs eternal, obviously, and the breathing method is about you know. Even though something terrible happens, um, the power of of conviction and uh, all of this, and she gives birth even though she got decapitated. And it's a very hopeful story, and Apt Pupil's just an outlier. So if we're talking about one story to represent the book, it has to be The Breathing Method. Uh, I think. <laughs> I so you, was that intentional? Yeah. What? No, I, I feel like you were building me up to say apt pupil, and it's like, and then Josh is going to agree with him, and that's going to be it. But then you came out with the breathing no. method. I, did, I feel Did like you think that, that was Josh? A, that was that was a beautiful misdirect. Yeah. That How was a, that a misdirect? gorgeous misdirect. I'm saying the whole book is about hope. We you're, have to no, vote you're right. for that. I agree with you. So yes. completely. I, I yeah yeah I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's it's the book to go with. So Ben, you're locking in your vote is for the breathing method. I, I think I, I have to. Uh, out of these yeah. two choices, yes. CM, absolutely. Apt pupil, got it. Oh my so god! So it's split decision. <laughs> Absolutely, I do not make this. the breathing method. Despite CM's arguing, <laughs> despite CM's arguing, uh, breathing method is going to advance to be our representative. No one will ever hear this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, breathing method advances. Also, the lowest scored book. In the entire series. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing, do we? We have never claimed to know what we're doing. We have claimed that we love reading Stephen King and we love talking about it. But and that is true. full stop. And that's the beauty of his work. It sticks with you and it evolves with you over the years. I months. love that, actually. That's very true. All right, guys. Are you ready to uh, tackle the next matchup? Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Our next matchup we have... The Long Walk versus Rose Red. <laughs> Oof. Sam, do you want to kick things off by talking about The Long Walk a little bit? 
The Long Walk is an awesome book about boys being boys <laughs> with boys, commanded by a very old boy. What? <laughs> do, Sam, do you remember this book at all? <laughs> this this is has a very strong uh, essence of someone doing a book report on a book they didn't read. <laughs> Okay, two things. One, I'm really sick. And I've been taking things to help me not be sick for like a week and I'm foggy. And two, I just remember that there's really no place for women in this book. And I know that's because it was, you know, it was written in a time of war and it's a reflection of that. But that's kind of one of the things that stuck out to me moving forward. Just Mm -hmm. um, is this book as accessible for me because it's more geared towards you guys specifically Mm. and it's or i mean do i have a cooler perspective because i'm more Mm. of an outsider looking in watching this it's one of those two things no other (laughs) (laughs) it is one of those two things (laughs) no the long walk is about a dystopian future society that takes place in the same world we argue as a running man so that's kind of interesting where every year 100 boys are selected to participate in what is called the long walk. And they have to walk until there is only one of them left. And if you stop walking or you slow down less than four miles per hour, you will eventually die because there are soldiers who will give you warnings and then shoot you. And so we follow a character who is on this journey and... It's uh, it's just a really interesting book to read as a teenager. I think uh, apart from uh, the real ending, which we experienced on, on our <laughs> podcast, uh, also it blows my mind that uh, people, because some of our listeners only listen to books they've read, and I've had conversations with listeners that have sent us emails about several episodes and uh, every once in a while, I'll ask if they've listened to The Long Walk, and they say no, and I say, stop what you're doing, because you might die at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, having the true ending really impacts hmm. uh, my view of The Long Walk. When I think about The Long Walk, what comes to mind for me is the, obviously, like, the the grueling moments that you spend trapped in there in Garrity's head as he's struggling. But the thing that jumps out to me the most are those exceptionally gruesome deaths. Like the guy ripping his own throat out Mm. like that stuff. That's so disgusting Mm -hmm. and you don't know how you would keep muscling through after all that. So it has some very haunting imagery for me that I think about when I think about this book. That's funny because uh, for me, I still, this is one of my favorite things we've read. I think the long walk is just masterfully written. But when I think back on it more than the story or more than like the specific things that happen it's like it's like a tone piece. I I think of the long walk and all I can think is like the feeling of reading this book, this despairing hopelessness that pervades the whole thing. 
which doesn't sound good, <laughs> but it's so well done and it, it affected me so much. The long walk's going to stick with me forever. You saying that made something click in my head about the tone of the long walk and how brutal it is. When you read uh, dystopian elimination stories, Battle Royale, Hunger Games, mm. there's something about those stories. So we'll take Hunger Games, for instance. When you go into this story, you have a feeling, even though they say it's down to one person, you you have this hope that the hero is going to find mm-hmm. a way to save not only herself, mm-hmm. uh, but her friend. Yeah, it, it's they're fighting against the system there. Mm-hmm. It's it's the underdogs fighting against it and uh, trying to start this revolution. Yeah. I agree. And this book, not one, did <laughs> I never, and not for a single second did I think an uprising was ever going to happen and more than one boy was going to survive. No, it's it's like 1984, where the first time I read 1984, I thought the whole point of it was like, oh, he, he, you know, the main character is kind of rebelling against Big Brother. And I thought in the end, oh, well, obviously he's going to succeed. <laughs> No, nope. no, it is, it's such a, a fucking bleak look at, nope, there's this awful system in place and it wins. It's good to read <laughs> about. Uh, yeah, it's just so well written and really sticks with me. Unlike... Uh, the, it's uh, opponent, the... Uh, the 15 seed Rose Red. Ben, do you want to talk about Rose the, Red? I would love to. <laughs> um, except it's a uh just a splotch in my memory <laughs> of I remember sitting in Sam's living room for a very long time and uh coming in here into the studio so many times and uh then leaving and it was gone. It, <laughs> And I really thought I would never have to think about Rose Red again, but here we are. No. Uh, CM, what happened? Uh, Rose Red is the tamest, most boring mutant story we've ever <laughs> been given. Um, it's about a little girl who joins these this team of people. They all have different abilities, and they go into this mansion, Rose Red, in the middle of like right Seattle. next door to McDonald's and Starbucks, yeah, between a Starbucks, <laughs> and, and they're they're trying to prove the supernatural, despite the fact that they are all living proof of the supernatural. Yeah, and supernatural things happen every so many minutes. Yeah, like right when they walk in the door, pretty much. If I remember correctly, the story is that a Carrie tries to shining. Yep. Is that right? Oh God. Yeah, there we yeah. go. You just broke my brain. <laughs> yeah, a Carrie tries to shining. <laughs> it was that was the working title, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, it, I mean it was it, Rose Red was a fun, at times boring, at times miniseries to watch. It was a hallmark Stephen King show. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, now I would pay for to watch that. Though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. I would say I I would recommend it only if you are watching it in a room with a bunch of your friends 
and a few drinks For and sure. just sitting down to make fun of a ridiculous, not very good miniseries. Right. See, the thing that's so crazy about it is because it's a, it's well acted. It's well shot. Like things. Ugh, gonna have to take your. <laughs> gonna have to trust you on that one. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm saying that it was. I think that because in the time it was made, having to tone a Stephen King level story down to prime time ABC. Uh, is not the most ideal format. Except, except they did it. They did it. They did it. The <laughs> I, Kingdom Hospital, guys. Am I the only one we, that watched Kingdom Hospital? I have it on DVD. We need to watch Fuck, it. We, we gotta to watch do, Kingdom Hospital. We need to do a series on Kingdom it's Hospital. It's also ridiculous, mm-hmm. and it is also very PG, because mm-hmm. it was, what, NBC, Fox, something. Mm-hmm. But it has enough, like... Uh, enough Lynchian weirdness that makes it worth watching. This doesn't. Well, it's interesting you both talked about tone in in each of these reviews, and I mm-hmm. for me that's what it really boils down to: the tone of of this miniseries and the tone of the Long Walk. Agreed. Yeah, I honestly don't think we need to discuss these I, any further before we make <laughs> no? this vote. CM Long Walk or Rose Red? Long Walk. All right, uh, I'm gonna go long walk. Also, Ben, long walk. All like, right, not even close. <laughs> long walk advances. All right, guys, this next matchup is a real mind fuck, and this is the this is the matchup I've been looking forward to since I made the bracket. So our next matchup is going to be the seven seed Rose Matter versus the ten seed the Dark Half. Ooh. Yeah. Can we move those? <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. That is that is a rough a rough one. I'm going to kick things off by uh discussing the dark half a little bit because that's the f- the furthest removed we are from it. The dark half is Stephen King killing Bachman and Bachman coming back to kill Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Basically. It an amazing action-packed book with just a lot of haunting imagery as this as George Stark manifests into existence and murders his way through everyone that helped quote unquote kill him until finally facing off with his other half and being pecked to death by birds which in in probably one of the most gruesome ending deaths <laughs> of any villain for sure uh just I can picture the movie the the oh, end of the movie by George Romero so good yeah imagery I think is the most important part of this book because looking back at it, did, did we like this one overall? Yeah. 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 Cause I, I feel like I remember a lot of giving it a lot of shit for like the little in between parts and all the like asides with the weird side characters that didn't matter. There were a lot of them. Oh, the cop. Yeah, the cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the like, uh, landlord lady. Yeah. And there was a lot of like kind of goofy bits. But when I think back to it, I think back to what couldn't have been a large portion of the book. But the parts that I remember, I remember the eyeball in the surgery right at the beginning, mm-hmm. the guy's tongue nailed to a wall. Uh, the oh, and, I forgot about yeah, the tongue nailed to the wall. The the forest of of birds, like all that stuff. Just the single shot, like you could imagine it just being a painting. 
and being just as effective Mm -hmm. as the book, which is a weird compliment, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah, the again, now that you've put this idea in my head, I can't stop thinking about it, but tone, Mm -hmm. it is so, this book is so visceral and it has that Chicago detective edge to it. It's a, it's a noir. Yeah, kinda. very noir. And George Stark is so fucking cool. He, this is, I think I said it last week that like, if we were talking, if this was a bracket for best villain, it would be way higher because George <laughs> Stark is terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, I pulled up our ratings. Ben, you gave this three. Yeah. CM gave it five. Shock. What? And I gave it four. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. You have right. to roll your eyes and you <laughs> share my reading. The audience can't hear me. Or they might be able to hear me roll my eyes. Yeah, that, that sounds right to me. Like, I, I think I remember having a lot. There was a lot of downtime and a lot of what I felt was filler. But the stuff that wasn't filler is fucking rad. We get some Alan Pangborn, which is always great. Uh, I know I hit the ceiling when Pangborn was revealed to be in this book. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, there's so many things that I thoroughly enjoyed about this. And especially going back, it's a, another one of those books that I have recommended to a ton of people as a first Stephen King book because it's just, there's so, there's such a variety. Because yes, Thad is kind of boring in a lot of ways, but his struggle is still exciting because of how insane the villain is. That's interesting to me because I would definitely never recommend this as a first King book. Yeah. There's so many deeply, the book is so steeped in this is a King book, (laughs) like large letters. Sure. This is like almost an arc. How do you pronounce it? Archetypical. Mm hmm. King book. You, I think the book benefits from if you have read a lot of King, you can go into it and being like, okay, you can recognize the tropes and it it, it adds to it. Sure. I would also remind you, Needful Things was my first King book. That is also a good point. (laughs) So, I, having been on the side of jumping into a King book steeped in backstory and lore that I didn't get the first time around. Yeah, I get that. Um, CM, do you want to talk about Rose Matter? Yes, Rose Matter was my first Stephen King book, so it does have a special place in my heart, which is why I don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a uh, visceral in a completely different way than the Dark Half book about a woman fleeing her abusive husband, who is also a police detective and is very resourceful. And she ends up finding herself and going on this fantastic, amazing journey of discovery and horror and heroism. And it's, I'm not sure how to finish because it, it, it is, is so it is equally awesome. It is equally riveting and disgusting. It's so hard describing a book that has affected you that deeply yeah. because any words you can put to it makes it sound less than because <laughs> there aren't appropriate words and it also has a character with, I guess, a twinner, essentially. Yeah. Who is, um, you know, more powerful, darker, more dangerous. Yeah. If this was a George Stark versus Norman Daniels discussion, 
which oh i mean rosemary oh <laughs> i thought you were making the comparison because that's the what would jump to my head is that i mean that's norman daniels and george stark are both absolutely terrifying villains mm. george stark would kick norman's ass <laughs> well, yeah george stark is uh Im- immortal well, or I, he's supernatural in at my least head, in my head george stark like knows about norman and he's met him and he's like that guy god <laughs> i can't stand that guy i don't know why <laughs> it's because you like george stark and you don't want him to have yeah. any positive feelings towards norman <laughs> ben what what do you think about when you remember reading rose rose matter rose matter did something that i i love it when books do this when I start a book and it turns into not the book I thought I was reading. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. Imagine that being your first King book. You come <laughs> yeah. to that moment when you're like, oh, this is happening in this book? What? Yeah. It, it almost becomes another book, but in a really good way. Yeah, King King does this in quite a few books. And I, I love it every time where there's just a sudden, sudden right turn. And you're like, I... I there is no way I can guess what is going to happen next. I love that. That said, this book is tough to read because of how vile and just upsettingly real the villain is. But it's it's fantastic. It's a really very real book, um, which is not something every King book does. Right. And it's it's something to to say for a book that partially takes place in Midworld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another book that like also hides away the book that I really want to read in it. <laughs> like I want a follow-up book that explains what the fuck is going on with Rose Matter and Dor- <laughs> Dorcas. <laughs> Dorcas. Uh, anyway, what's interesting? So I um, was in a uh, on Instagram. Uh, we there was a Rose Matter uh, discussion group that somebody started. They were reading it and and they made a group chat. So I joined it and was chatting away with those people because it was just after we'd finished talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to watch a a whole group of people who'd never read it before discover the supernatural twist when it happened and how many people were completely blindsided by like not being able to anticipate what direction that book was going. And it was just fascinating. I also felt it was interesting that of all the crazy things that happened in Rose matter, I will never forget the, the inciting incident, not the, the very, very beginning, but the seeing the drop of blood as the catalyst Mm. for leaving after what has already happened that is such a it's very rare that such a small detail in a story can burn itself into your memory because it's so important and so pivotal pivotal this might sound kind of douchey and pretentious but i feel like rose matter is a very literary like more literary book than some king can be cuz obviously he's uh he he's a pop writer and that's not an insult that is what i love about him but he excels at story and what is happening and scares and but this it does feel very with the the human parts of the story with just the parts where it's rose by herself 
thinking and talking about her life feels like it could be not supernatural in any way, <laughs> oh, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying it's, to say. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I definitely read it with my pinky out. <laughs> okay that was too douchey just cut that part no no I'm keeping it I like okay. it uh, alright I think it's it's time to vote and I'm first so which is not where I wanted to be for this book it's so hard because when I think of one about something in one book that gives it the edge I immediately think of something in the other book that like, oh, it's the same. Like, for instance, the mm-hmm. first thing I thought of was the action scene uh, in the in, in the hallway in uh, the dark half when he's like getting away from the cops. And, and literally, I thought you were talking about the action scene in the hallway at oh, the end of Rosemary. <laughs> ah! Oh, like <laughs> thinking about like that fight. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about um, Gert versus Norman. Mm-hmm. And like, so all of these things that when I think about, I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's. That's an amazing part of this book. Uh, it's so hard to choose. Uh, but I, I'm i going to have to go with the dark half. I'm going to have to go with the dark half on this one. Ben? Th- this sucks because I, like, we don't even have to go to CM. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know. CM, say what you, we all know you're going to say. I don't know. Okay. I, I need to hear. Okay, I am so torn because this is going to be disturbing for everyone to know about me but in my head there's like this whole fanfic world <laughs> where annie wilkes and george stark get married <laughs> <laughs> you oh think that's gonna god. oh my and, god huh and ben write it write it right <laughs> now it's really hard because these two books are so awesome and i enjoy reading both of them equally mm. So I, I need to be, I need help. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so sure, like, without hesitation, you, you were going to say, say Rose, Rose, Rose Matter. Or Rose Matter, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I am going to vote for Rose Red for this one. Um, no, and then I was like, oh, I can't be the one to make the decision, because I'm equally, these books are the mo- were these, like, r- literally seven and eight on the seeds? Uh, seven and ten. Seven and ten, yeah. because in my head, these are right equal they're so close they are so close they both have their pros and cons uh i don't think either of them are my favorite king book but they are so solid and just great i guess i have to break it down if i had to choose the one thing to dis- that distinguishes them i guess it's the characters themselves you care so much for Rosie, and you care. Uh, at least you I said Annie didn't. You? I did <laughs> say Annie. Uh, you care so much for Rosie, and I was cheering for her happy ending so much. And you hate Norman so much, and you are cheering for his end. But then in the dark half, you've got Thad. <laughs> he's kind of a wiener and Thad's a wiener he's a wiener is the problem <laughs> so you're kind of cheering for George yeah well he, yeah. Well, and then there's George who's very scary but I don't know the, the characters aren't they, they're so much more just Thad is generic king protagonist one his wife is generic king wife one It's they are not as real a people 
as Rosie and Gert and Norman. And for that, I got to give the edge to uh, Rose Matter. All right, Sam, it's down to you. It is crazy to me that it is this close <laughs> I know. for you. Now that we know about her cinematic <laughs> headcanon, it makes way more sense. It's The Dark Half is such a fun book mm-hmm. and a fun idea. And you have a great time reading about George Stark. Not so much that. So when I think back on it, I have very fond memories because I enjoyed reading it. Rose Matter is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it is emotional and it kind of tears your heart out over and over again. And I'm sorry, George, but I'm going to have to go with Rose Matter. All right. Rose Matter advances. I have to say I'm glad for that. But also, if you would have voted for Dark Half, I would have immediately said I changed my vote to Dark Half, too. (laughs) They're just really hard. They're both very good books. Yeah, Yeah. it really it really is. The do you want to know the the scene that puts it over? uh, Puts it over for me Mm. is the the pencil through the hand. God, the, I did the think, writing the writing uh, scene when he's getting into his head, and George just wakes up and is like, "The fuck, bam!" and just stabs his pencil through his own hand. I, the, so the, good. Him looking at his hand and seeing the light through the uh-huh. hole in his mm. oh, so good. Man, that is a good book. <laughs> All right, next up, our next match: the three seed Pet Cemetery versus the fourteen seed Firestarter. Ben. When Not f- close. I'm sorry. Right now, <laughs> uh, talk talk a little bit about uh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is the the further we've gotten from it, the more I've thought about it. Pet Cemetery is my favorite Stephen King book. Whoa! Whoa. It killed me. Mm, yeah. Every talk about anyone that has ever said, "Oh, I don't read King because it's just shock and awe." Fuck you. Read <laughs> Pet Cemetery. It is the best written book. I he has it's the the characters. I love them all so much. Th- the things that happen to them are so heartrending. The way you felt about Rose Matter, <laughs> I anything that I say is going to sound like hyperbole, but I am a thousand percent sincere. It is maybe a perfect book. I I would read it again right fucking now. There are there's so many amazing scenes in that book. And I for for instance, the it's such a small thing, but the trek to the the graveyard when he walks through the thinny, it's not that that part doesn't really weigh anything on the story that if if he if you cut to he starts walking and picked back up at the end the book would still be great that one the section of him walking to it it's so small but it's so full of terrifying ominous detail that uh, everything just works everything just works in that book sam uh what do you when you think about pet cemetery what do you think what's the first thing that jumps to your mind it's kind of two things because I can never give one answer. <laughs> Obviously, the the grief that King captures perfectly. It's a book that made me cry a lot. And even the movie, and I know we're not considering movies, but 
the movie's just so much fun and it's so good. But the thing that I enjoyed reading the most was when he is making that final journey and he encounters the Wendigo. All of that is like, yes, more please. <laughs> you guys. Yeah, I, yeah, you yeah, guys. You will you'll hear no argument for me about how great Pet Cemetery I, is. Just everything washing, just remembering the scene of them flying kites before oh, God. the scene of when he digs Cage up and is sitting with him cradled in his arms in the graveyard. When he thinks his head is gone. When he thinks that he has him seated backwards in the car. Ah! God, I forgot about that. The yeah. ending. That just made my skin crawl. The ending. The last page. <laughs> it ends on this, there's so many horrific things that could happen, but that it has the restraint to end on a shoulder, fa- a hand falling on his shoulder. Yeah. And... astounding astounding (laughs) all right i think that covers what we need to cover for pet cemetery and it's going up against the 14 seed firestarter now firestarter ah i enjoy the story of firestarter yeah i don't think it it is a foolproof story i think sometimes the the plot mechanics didn't really add up but god damn just rainbird what else can you say about Rainbird when it comes mm. to that entire book? Uh, what I think is interesting is that Charlie and her powers are the drive for a lot of what's happening. But at the end of the day, I find it to be not even one of the most interesting things about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like we talked about, where does her power come from when they find it at the end that she's not exerting any energy? That stuff's mm-hmm. fun to think and fun to talk about. But... If I'm going to talk about Firestarter, I want to talk about how insane and badass Rainbird is and all of the possibilities and ramifications of the push mm-hmm. and how all of that, like the potential of all of that. I'm so much more fascinated with those things than I am the Firestarter. Yeah. Uh, all I have to say about Firestarter is if you want to read the Firestarter just read X-Men instead. <laughs> it's, you'll get so many of the same themes and also Wolverine's there. So, like... That's true. Wolverine hasn't been in any Stephen King books, right? I haven't, I haven't read them all, but I'm pretty sure. No, but I think Wendigo is a villain in X-Men. <laughs> that could so. be. CM, what do you think about Firestarter? I'll stick with my final rating of it. It's something that I think I would have... That would have been more meaningful to me if I'd read it when I was a teenager. That That is a good time and a good headspace to be in to really appreciate everything the story has to offer. Because it does offer a lot. It just depends on, I think, where you are in your life and what you're looking for. And I don't think it hit us at quite that magical time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's part of this thing. Like, it's so... Some of this is so subjective because mm-hmm. it depends so much on when when you read something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it goes back to our Salem's Lot conversation all over again. Yep. If I had if Salem's Lot had been the first vampire book I'd ever read, that would have been a five out of five all day every day. But it wasn't. It was not my first exposure or my second or twentieth. 
And so, yeah, maybe I, that's a good possibility with Firestarter. Had I had that been maybe my first King book that I'd picked up uh, around the age of being Charlie. Yeah. I definitely remember yeah. liking it a lot more as a sophomore. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Um, CM, what's your vote? Pet Cemetery versus Firestarter? Oh, absolutely. Pet Cemetery. Oh, did I skip you? We were supposed to start with you, wasn't it? Do you need to come to me? I think I made my <laughs> I think I made my views. Ben, pretty... what's your vote, buddy? Shut up. Pet cemetery. <laughs> like <laughs> obviously. Yeah, it's, it's obviously so Pet good. Cemetery is, is running away with it. All right. And our last matchup to discuss for this episode. We are coming down to our representative from different seasons, the breathing method versus 1408. All right, so let's we've we've covered breathing method a little bit already. So I, I want to get into fourteen oh eight. Fourteen oh eight is not what I expected it to be. We all know how I feel about hauntings and haunting stories. Not not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of things that don't make sense. Well, on the bright side, this is not a ghost story. <laughs> it, it's a I, haunted room story. I will disagree <laughs> with you on that, but that's a different discussion. I feel um, like. And and because I read it, I think I talked about this on the episode uh, that CM had always brought up the the askew door. I mm. really built this. You, up. you really like, built it I up. I set the and, bar so high. <laughs> but also, I I read this book in the dark during a storm because mm. you both kept telling me about how terrifying it was, and I read it and I was like, "Oh, neat! That's a neat book. That's a neat <laughs> a neat story that I read." I enjoyed it. I had a good time with all of the insanity. Uh, it definitely, I mean, I was glad at the end of the day that it was a short story and not a full on novel. It's another one of those things that it's the further I've gotten from it, the more I think back on the really cool imagery. Um, I 1408 also has a special place in my heart because of watching Ben's face when I played the recording that they <laughs> so talk cool. about. And it was also like making making that recording with our friend Anthony Nadarelli from the One Dollar Producer Project. Making that tape kind of brought me more into that world a little bit. It made that connection stronger, and I I understood after hearing it how insane that would be to find just to find that tape lying around. Whereas when I read it initially, I was like, okay, this is. Like, these are weird things to just say, but then when you hear them, it's definitely very creepy. CM, uh, what is, if you had to pick the most iconic moment that's not door related <laughs> in 1408, what would you pick? Okay, so I can't pick the door. <laughs> what about when he's coming into the room and he's describing the way that the wallpaper feels like dry skin oh yeah and the 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 bed it looks like the comforter is alive and the pillows are somehow obscene and the paintings are changing just the room itself is unmatched i think in anything i've read which is why it's not a ghost story <laughs> this is a lovecraftian story it definitely and yeah. uh see um, last week you said you love anything lovecraftian and i do too <laughs> The the way that he writes about what is in the beginning, literally just a hotel room, but just the way he uses the words on the page to make just a comforter seem 
very upsetting, is amazing. Mm -hmm. My favorite part, though, isn't any moment or a particular thing that happens. It is the escalation that King accomplishes in the writing of this book. It is not long. It's a Mm. short, short story. But the fact that within the span of something like five pages, he goes from, wow, what a creepy painting of an orange, to the walls are melting and a creature from beyond time is going to come out of it, is amazing. It's another weird compliment to give a story to say I really love this story because it's efficient. Weird, but it's true. <laughs> it's uh, It does not waste your time. It is every paragraph adds very quickly. Love it. Comparing, I mean, we're, we're taking Breathing Method versus 1408. Both, uh, I would say they're similarly, like a similar length. Breathing Method mm-hmm. is very, very short. Mm-hmm. I I feel like... I would have enjoyed 1408 more had I been just reading the book and come across the story naturally, as opposed to it mm-hmm. being something that we, uh, we we assigned ourselves. Because discussing it before we read it already had me on alert for what craziness mm-hmm. was going to happen. So I wonder if I would feel differently if I was surprised by by finding out I guess, how crazy or how surreal it could be? The answer is yes. (laughs) That's an interesting discussion. Just thinking about the different way, like how different it is reading a novel versus how we could possibly cover a whole book of short stories. Because it is very different just how you consume it. Uh, A novel, you have a lot of time to like settle down into the world and a short story, it's just like a quick bite. And uh, if you're out at what what metaphor am I trying to make? <laughs> I was gonna say if you're like someone's like, hey, try this food. It's the best food you're ever going to eat. And you, it's just a single bite, and you eat it, and you're like, oh yeah, that was okay. That was good. <laughs> or is this anything? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, if you're I, I, starving and you sit down at this really nice restaurant and it's like a five course meal <laughs> and they bring you an aperitif. And it just tickles your palate. And then you can settle in into the rest of the meal and enjoy every bite. I like food. (laughs) (laughs) That came through real strong. Are these metaphors anything? Yeah, it's just, it's very different. And um, I have said a million times on this podcast, I love King's short stories. But are they a fit for what we do here? Sure. Uh, And how much of that is skewing our our uh, our rating, I guess. Yeah. Of fourteen oh eight. Well, Ben, I uh, I skipped you last time, so I'll go to you first this time. Uh, Breathing method versus fourteen oh eight. Where do you land? Honestly, the it's not close for me either. Fourteen oh eight. I stand by. It is one of his scariest short stories. It is uh, another one I would go back and read and reread. Because it's a it's quick and effective and uh has just always stuck with me ever since the first time I read it. 1408, definitely. Perfect. CM? Everything you said, Ben, is so accurate and true. And I know I should agree with it, but the breathing method for me is 
a world and a space mm-hmm. that I have come to love. I want nothing more than to be able to walk into the club, to be a part of that community and listen to an uncanny story and be served a drink by Stevens. And it's just become this thing in my head that is larger than the words on the page. And so I think uh, 1408 is amazing and I love it. And it scared the shit out of me. Like it is the most Mm -hmm. terrifying thing. But the breathing method is always going to be special because of the way it makes me feel and how much I want to be part of its world. So the breathing method. Fuck you guys. (laughs) I enjoyed the breathing method more than I enjoyed 1408. That is just a statement of fact. That is where that lands. But as far as which one is, is definitely more effective the first time around, that's 1408. Because when I first read breathing method, I, I think I gave it a three because I was like, eh, it's all right. Mm. And it's one of those that further removed. It got a lot better. And and 1408 definitely was better my first time around. So <laughs> Do you I know. know you are talking in circles, my man. <laughs> but. <laughs> but what I'm saying is when I look at it from a different angle, there's no consistency for me as to which one is the right one to go with. And so I think I'm going to have to go with the breathing method. I'm going to have to settle in because I've had more time with it, I think, is, is really what I have to give the deciding factor to. And, and I've had more, more time to sit with that world. Whereas 1408, the what would put 1408 over the edge for me was if we were including adaptations. Mm. Because I watched that movie like three times in 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so we're taking the breathing method. So the breathing method has moved on. Fair. The first choice, I think, is objectively wrong. But uh, <laughs> hey, you guys do you! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that uh, that is the, the end of the playoffs. So before we leave, well, let's go over for everybody what the matchups are going to be for the next episode. Our, our part three is going to be the final episode. We're going to do the semifinals and the finals. So here is what our matchups are for next episode. We will be talking Misery versus Joyland, Oof. Revival versus Carrie, Oof. The Long Walk versus Rose Matter, and Pet Cemetery versus The Breathing Method. For CM Alexander and Benjamin Graham, I'm Joshua Khan, reminding you to fill out those brackets. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you so much for listening to March Madness Part 3. We cannot wait to see how all of you are ranking these books. So please post your brackets on our social media at Dairy Public Radio or email them to us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. As always, please check out our website, constantreaders.org, our Patreon page, and please rate and review us on iTunes. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.